0: Welcome back to Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we're speaking with Luz Escamilla, Utah State Senator Luz Escamilla. She is running for Salt Lake City Mayor, and we're having a candidate conversation with her, learning about herself and her priorities and what she hopes to do if she happens to be elected mayor uh, in just a couple of weeks. Uh, So you mentioned a little while ago um, about how healthcare is an issue for and having friends and school nurses and that I, I did not realize that every school didn't have to have a nurse and we also don't have universal kindergarten which creates kind of achievement gaps as kids get older particularly as they're, as they're young when they really kind of need to, to have that foundation how do we address those kinds of things in a way that isn't isn't overly burdensome tax-wise to residents of the city
1: yeah I mean I think one I, I'm a true believer in, in private-public partnership. And keep in mind where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the state legislature <laughs> as a member of the minority party and a member of a caucus of six members. And, you know, I, I feel we've accomplished a lot. We have very effective senators, uh, you know, even though we're Democrats and people may think, oh, Democrats don't do much. We do. I've passed mm-hmm. more than 50 bills. A lot of them are healthcare care related. I, one of the things we need to uh, think about this, including the homelessness issue. So when you talk mm-hmm. about health care, the reason why we're seeing this spike on homelessness is because we haven't been able to tackle our mental health and substance abuse. For individuals that are experiencing homelessness, Are chronic homeless, that's 10%. But those are the people that we see on the streets. Those are the people that, you know, are, 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 you know, are very visible. And we need to partner with the state. We don't do this alone as a city. It's almost to begin with, we don't even provide mental health and substance abuse. That's a county responsibility. So, this is when you realize, and what's part of my message in my campaign has been we have to be the capital city. Strong capital city that partners and brings consensus working with our partners at the state level, at the county, and with other municipalities. But we don't do this alone. Our taxpayers' base will not sustain this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are growing so fast. That growth mm-hmm. brings uh, great things and challenges. And that's why the sustainability vision of 25, 50 years from now is critical. Because mm-hmm. maybe five years from now we're going to be okay. But really, look at what's happening in the last five years with homelessness and air quality. I mean, just think about it. And are you... Okay with where we are. I mean I and that's what I ask people. It's like you want status quo. There is, you know, a candidate that's been there in that leadership position, but what do we do moving forward? I mean, is this what we want to go? Is this the the right direction? And I'm I think I'm offering a different perspective. It's different type of leadership.
2: Your race is interesting because even if you
1: don't live in this city you have a, you may work
2: there or you recreate there or you are attending a conference, you know, there's a reason to care. That we do have a vibrant and attractive capital city, Absolutely. right? Um, and so, what what about the inland port? This has been um, something that we get sidetracked a lot on the the protests and what's happening with the people who don't want it, or 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 minute aspects of a side issue. But describe for us what is inland port and why are you? You know how how you feel about it,
1: yeah, so uh, the inland port is a very large portion of um, the county, so it includes also West Valley and Magna in the mm-hmm. whole uh, piece of area in the northwest quadrant yes. of the county, but it includes it's almost one fourth of the entire Salt Lake city um, you know piece of land and it's huge and it's undeveloped so it's not developed yet mm-hmm. it's privately owned and this is where it gets all tricky ah. and um, and so the state legislature passed legislation uh, a year. A year and a half ago, addressing this and taking over the land use authority and in tax increment. So I'm on the record against the inland port. Not only is that my district, it's also where I live. And um, part of the problem was it all started even back with a state prison. So we need to go back because the state prison is now inside the inland port. And you know, developing well, where it's going to be built. Yeah. It's yeah. already being built. It's being built. It's close to yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, now we're about to you know, spend close to a billion dollars on this construction that was first estimated to be $350 million. I mean, because it's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You're building on wetlands. I mean, it's not a good... I mean, you have a mosquito abatement crisis, and then you have this other bigger piece, and that is our congestion, our traffic, our air quality. It's terrible. That's like the worst place where you need to develop. So here's where it gets so complicated, and we're com- it's convoluted. It's one, the state and their horrible... Think they did of taking over that land use authority, tax increment, and developing now this moving forward. But the city and the current you know uh, leadership in the city actually zoned that place to be. They master zoned already. They have a master plan, and that includes an inland port. I think that's a horrible approach. <laughs> and the worst part has been how they've put themselves in that position where now are they're in the, in a wall basically, and they're now you know blaming all in the state, and the state has been terrible. But moving forward. Lawsuit, right? Let's continue with that lawsuit. And then we courageous mayor <laughs> that sued the state, mm-hmm. uh, even though the council was opposing her ability to suit, and that was all over the media. And they took yeah. an action on that's terrible. But the the mayor sued the new revised lawsuit that will be re- reviewed in the next couple of weeks, mid November. I think really has a chance to at least bring some um, consensus and some closure to what we do. We can't have Salt Lake City not be part of the conversations. This is going to happen? Um, Pending what happened with the lawsuit, but we need to continue our legal recourse. But I think I have the ability to work with my colleagues at the state legislature and really try to mitigate as much impact. Um, and it will be negative impact in terms of the environment. I passed legislation to start a baseline collecting data on air quality and water quality. That was a bill I passed this last session, and I won a health impact study right away in that area. So we know what it means to have another thousand semis. Yeah, driving through. Just so ID. everyone, knows,
2: it's not like actually like a port, like a boat
1: dock. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's an inland port. Because so it's, 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 so it's, it's, it's a bunch it's, of truckers that right. will come and they'll unload. they will be like yeah, transportation, and, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we've been saying we're the crossroads of the West, I fifteen, I eighty, the airport. I mean, mm-hmm. we do have this piece of look, and, and economic development is great, and we want jobs. What type of jobs do we want is critical because right, mm-hmm. we want jobs that actually can people live in Salt Lake City and maybe a $15 job is not going to make it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those are conversations that I think are critical as we continue to see as Salt Lake City that's sustainable.
2: And even if you have jobs that pay more than 15, if they pay double that, if you have terrible air
1: quality yeah, or the like quality you of say life, yeah. or, or you
2: can't drive anywhere.
1: Um, that that would yeah. Be what's issue. the cost, right? Yeah. So this is a, a, an issue of a, a cost assessment piece, and you have to mm-hmm. m- make sure that all of it is weighted. And I think we've lacked that piece, and we need a mayor that can have those difficult conversations and sometimes agree to disagree. But moving forward, we have to fight for the health and the safety and and, and sustainable growth of of, of our city.
0: When we come back at the end, uh, we, we, I want uh, to go back and get a little personal because we want to find out a little bit more about you and, and a little bit uh, finish up on, on, on the priority issue. You're listening to Voices of Reason.
2: You are listening to Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jason is on a NBA trip. He's our NBA writer at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, I'm here with Erin Mendenhall, who is a candidate for Salt Lake City Mayor. She is a current city councilwoman and uh, and formerly founder, I found out today, of Breathe Utah. Um, uh, so in the nonprofit sector. Um, in the last episode, we talked about uh, inland ports or it talked about air quality. I'd like to know where does Inland Port fit in air quality, economic development, and just the whole mayoral city discussion for you? It's
3: huge. Yeah. It's huge and it's ubiquitous at this point because they don't have a business plan. And it's uh, frustrating that we can only imagine how awful its impact could be on our environment in an area that is already an environmental justice issue where we have the highest amounts of pollution on the west side of Salt Lake City. The Rose Park Monitor that the state runs is the highest monitor, typically, in Salt Lake City. It is the reason that we're in serious non-attainment, the most stringent designation that an area can receive from the EPA. That means we couldn't be more in violation of the Clean Air Act for that particular pollutant. And that area is already concentrated. Um, Now that area that is the proposed Inland Port area is privately owned. And as you know, cities work with landowners to do land use decisions and cities collect taxes and can make uh, reimbursement deals based on the participation of those private property owners. When those property owners said they wanted to build an Inland Port, they told the state, they told Salt Lake City, and the state pretty quickly let us know that if we didn't do our job of land use determining with them, they would take it away from us. And that's why back in 2015, 2016, Mayor Biskupski worked with those property owners to create a master plan to develop an inland port in the city process that doesn't allow for refineries or smelters or stockyards and the kind of things that one could imagine at a port. Um, That's why she created a development agreement. It's like a legal blanket that goes over those 7,000 acres and protects 4,000 of them for a natural buffer area. And We did all of that with good cause because just two months later, the state passed the legislation that ripped away the Land Use Authority and Taxing Authority from about 20% of our city south of that area. They would love to take this other 7,000 acres that the city was able to protect and keep within city processes. Now, this doesn't mean no inland port. This means that if a port is to develop, North of I-80, it should go through a public process with city officials making decisions where the public has a voice, where the public can vote people out if they don't like the way it's going. The way it should not go and what our mayor needs to make sure of is that the state doesn't take another 7,000 acres for us, compromise that natural buffer area that is protected by the city today. And allow the state, who I don't believe shares our environmental values in the same way, and doesn't do the process in the same way, to have a majority unelected board in charge of a massive amount of our city's development. It's an incredible threat. So the litigation has to continue, but we can't put all of our eggs in that basket. And the legal framework of our being in violation of the Clean Air Act is an incredible opportunity that our next mayor, that I will undertake, to make sure that whatever happens there happens in the cleanest possible way we cannot allow this to worsen an already uh, burdened area with air pollution and right now without a real business plan in front of us we can only imagine how bad it can be
2: who's responsible for coming up with a
3: business plan well the inland port authority is creating a business plan they've uh, gone out to bid for that But also those property owners of Colmena and Rio Tinto, they have their own ideas and we have yet to see what they will exactly come out to look like and how their funding will come together.
2: Um, We only have a few minutes left in this segment, but are there other issues like that are top priorities for you?
3: Infrastructure is one that's really not sexy, but it's incredibly important. It's one of the most basic things right after public safety, I think, that every city needs to get right. And we have been underfunding it for too long in Salt Lake City to the tune of about $220 million in deferred maintenance. So last year, when I was the chair of the council, we finally came up with uh, revenue to double our maintenance crews. We're repairing twice as many miles in Salt Lake City as we were the year before. And an $87 million bond that was overwhelmingly approved last year in November by our voters to fix some of our worst streets. But in between the repairs and the uh, replacement, there's still millions of dollars that we need. This is another reason it's important that our next mayor understands Salt Lake City's toolkit, understands our budget and understands what we don't have yet and where do we get it. So the county transportation grant is a brand new opportunity for cities in Salt Lake County. I'm going to be going after that very aggressively to get some of those dollars into Salt Lake City. Federal dollars are one that we've missed out on with this last administration. Tens of millions of dollars of federal grants that we are highly competitive for. I know how to go after those. Salt Lake City taxpayers can't continue to bear the brunt of the need for our streets any longer. We need a mayor who understands the toolbox and can get more for us as a capital city.
2: And is there a reason that we haven't gone after those federal grants in the past? Is just a.
3: I think that walking in and asking for letters of resignation of 111 department and division directors, as Mayor Biskupski did before she took office, really cut the rudder off of the ship of Salt Lake City. We lost an incredible amount of institutional knowledge, and they simply haven't taken advantage of all the tools that the capital city has at our hands.
2: Well how do you restore that?
3: Or no. is it has it
2: been restored or is it has it been rebuilt?
3: Uh the talent you
2: mean? Yeah, yeah, and the institutional memory and the like you say, people who well, know what's out I will, there and how to take advantage of it.
3: Over the years they've replaced many people and there's some great people in City Hall today, but we had a huge miss of grant opportunities just this spring. So even after three years in office, the institutional knowledge on the administrative side um, it still has something to, to, to grow. Uh, but I have I think that actually I know that as six years on the city council, I have more experience in Salt Lake City government and making it work for us than a lot of the department and division directors. I have a lot of respect for them. I hope to work with them. But there are tools that we are not even using. And one of those is our D.C. lobbyists who usually advocate for us for those federal grants. They simply aren't being engaged in the way that our next mayor needs to engage them.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, We're going to take a little break, and uh, you are listening to Voices of Reason.
0: We are back with Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we're speaking with Utah State Senator Luz Escamilla. She is running for Salt Lake City Mayor. And we've been talking about priorities and also some of the issues that are uh, uh, kind of at the fore for uh, local residents, particularly as it relates to, you know, air quality and things like that, health care. But as you were just describing to us kind of offline is that the inland port is among the one or two things that mm-hmm. people really care about. And particularly as it's going to impact them, even though it's economic development, it has kind of a tangential It will have a
1: negative impact in the environment. I mean, regardless, you have an environmental piece, uh, you know, air quality, congestion, sound um, pollution, lighting pollution, water pollution, and then you have also... um, just uh, our bird migration, it will be impacted. The mosquito abatement will cause issues because we're going to have to mitigate mosquitoes. The way you do that is getting rid of the food that the birds were coming for, and we're losing birth migration in the millions for the last 50 years, right? So, I mean, there will be an impact. So it's... How do we? I mean, even mitigation. How does that look like? Yeah. When we are not even, we don't even understand how the problem is going to look like, and that's why the Utah, uh, the health impact assessment is critical, and I think that will give us a better way of, you know, checking. Yeah, you got to know where <coughs> you're starting from Correct. to know where you
2: end up. So, um when you talk to people, what is their level of understanding with the inland port? So,
1: it, one, it, I think it's it's. It's a very convoluted, multifaceted issue. A lot of people thought it was like open space, and they didn't realize there was private property. Mm-hmm. This is private property, mm-hmm. so we need to obviously work with the owners and and that own that pro- property, and that's critical. Um, the other piece, and for my district, please know I, I'm so proud of my constituents. They've been standing up against this. I've never seen them mobilized on any other issue like this one. And we tend to be a very quiet community. I think we that's why we get. People take advantage of us sometimes because we had most of the halfway houses, parole violator center, state prison. They're all right west side of I fifteen. Uh, not on this one. They that community organized. Uh, you've seen that there's even been conflict to even have a meeting for mm-hmm. the inland port yep. uh, governing authority. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I think you know, peacefully protesting and speaking is critical. I, I'm, I think you'll see more of that. But we need to make sure that Salt Lake City is really in the lead of making sure we're protecting our interests.
2: So I I love to ask candidates, um, what's something in your life that you've overcome, some adversity or something difficult that you think, um, maybe you didn't appreciate it at the time, but it has shaped you, it's
1: made you? um, You Yeah, I I have to say, as I get older, (laughs) and hopefully wiser, I don't know about that, but as I get older, some days, illness is really... You know, stuff that is so hard. You have very few control. You know, your limited control of what you can do, and um, losing a loved one. It's been you know quite the experience for me. I, but I think it's also been um, you know with my children where I had some medical situations to deal with. That's been what has shaped a lot of my ability to uh, focus and really. Put things in perspective, and mm-hmm. I think life should be about perspective because you can really get and get inundated. And right now, as the voices are getting so loud, uh, you know, around you know our campaign, around you know my support group, um, I'm glad that some of those experiences have taught me that perspective matters. And there will be life after November fifth, and in, in we're still going to continue to work for our community. We're, com- I mean, I'm committed as a as a Ameri- you know, as an American by choice, that has provided me with so many opportunities. I will continue to serve my my country and and my community.
2: So, uh, do you have a favorite author or favorite book that you? You know,
1: yeah. I because <laughs> yeah. you know, usually in the legislature, and I have like a full time job and everything. We <laughs> read mostly policy stuff, but I'm amazed at being able this... to read anything <laughs> outside of that. You know what? I I was so th- my daughter is learning French. And I actually have a went to school for French as well, so I speak some French. But I had an opportunity to read with her "Le Petit Prince," the Little Prince, mm-hmm. which is obviously a French author wrote it. And so, you know, and forget how
2: amazing that book is. right? It's
1: great. And during the campaign, the thing about leadership that touch, touches on leadership on community on people mm-hmm. on listening and learning from people. It's been like the best thing. So I I was telling my daughter we were reading it during the summer as she was getting ready for for the fall, you know, Mm -hmm. going back to school in her French class and I love that, and I was reading it in French, then going back to Spanish and English, and I'm like, I need to read. So I had the three books. My husband was like, What are you doing? I'm like, Calm down, I'm learning from all different That's languages. Right, right? So all my brain is consuming great books. So you got a chance. The Little Prince is just wonderful. Does your
0: husband uh, speak three languages too?
1: My husband only speaks two. Okay. He speaks Spanish. Only two. Uh, only two. Yes, yeah. Well. <laughs> he,
0: he's he's a better American than I am. That's the one. So uh, do you have? I mean, I don't know that you even have time for hobbies or uh, avocations, you know, because you have so much going on. Uh, what do you do in your – what little free time you may, may ever have?
1: Um, so, well, one, I, we try to spend time with the kids. But right now I'm planning also a quinceanera. My daughter quince, oh, yeah. in prince. So I've, it, that's been now my hobby during like this. I'm sorry. My so daughter was in a quinceanera. Yeah, so yeah. quinceanera it's like a really important uh, cultural uh, – Passing Moment right, pass, in life about yeah. 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 passing yeah. of age in the Hispanic Latino community, especially in Mexico, is really strong uh, piece peace. And it's for young girls, as mm-hmm. so young girls, as so they, you know, the idea is that now they're becoming women and mm-hmm. they're. Presented to society in this beautiful, beautiful big party that is sometimes bigger than weddings, and I'm, you know, people say, "Oh, you decided to do a quinceañera in the middle of a campaign." I'm like, "No, no, a campaign happened in the middle of a quinceañera yeah. planning because <laughs> this is like years in the making. Yeah, you really live for this moment, and I, this is my, you know, I'm just super excited. So, anyways, I, it's been quite interesting to like do the the planning and everything, and I. We're so, excited. on one
2: hand, you're talking about like, uh, you know, how to clean up the air. And the environment, and do have better education system in the city, and better address the needs of families who need um, uh, pre K. And
1: then, on the other hand, you're picking out dresses, yes, and dresses. It's, been, and, you know, it's really the a best family, party yeah. Ever. yeah. How and do Trump's party? It really is. the dancing because it has like this surprise dances and mm-hmm. the party. And I and just seeing her, it's mm-hmm. been just really emotional. And I, I, I've enjoyed that. And I think it'll help me again put things in perspective mm-hmm. as this things get really you know we're running 14 16 hour days I mean this is what yeah. the campaigns are all about And in a local race like this one is getting a lot of attention and we're trying to reach 100,000 registered voters right it's it, please know Salt Lake City is so big yeah <laughs> as I'm running this election I realize how big it is and I you know it's just spending time with family has been great um, you know and and Also, you know, my representative Romero, which is a really close friend of mine, and I decided to start uh, training in boxing in the middle of the campaign, and that has been... Uh, a blessing in disguise, right? <laughs> because as I'm no. like, f- suffering of pain as I'm doing this, yeah. being able to just get that out and 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 it's, just, it's a great support of, of mine and mm-hmm. Angela's. And she's like, you guys need some help with like stress. Let's do this. And it's her name is Eliza and she runs her gym from shearer House. And we're there at 630 in the morning and it's just wow. been wonderful. That's so so those things have been this little, in this part of the journey where you say what you learn about campaigning, it mm-hmm. really is. And those things stay with you for the rest of your life. And I've seen it with all my campaign races for the Senate, three of them, and mm-hmm. a congressional race. Um, everything, those stories really stay with you. Why do should you, people? Oh. Just, I, before you say that, I
2: want to know, do you have a mentor or a mantra that you want to share? Um,
1: you know, I, I, I will say for me it's been really about um, patience. Mm-hmm. And my dad before he passed away he used to talk to me about patience and now now it has a totally different meaning and it's now I know that if you're not patient life will be very difficult and I'm still learning patience is hard because it's really about letting things sometimes go through this course and you want to intervene and you, and you see it with your children if you're a parent you know this it's yeah. like ah um, I see with our adult kids our teenagers and the toddlers right they're all in different stages and sometimes I like want to do it for them and tell them no this is not going to be what you expected be, you know mm-hmm. um, patience and the same in policy I've learned that in, in, in politics is things sometimes take time people change their minds I've seen it uh, mm-hmm. but it takes it, it takes relationships building relationships and time and trust
0: why should people vote for you?
1: That's a great question. Thank you. I, I think I'm asking people to see my experience, my record, my reputation, and know that I'm committed. I want them to see how I'm ready to – I've been really preparing for this role, and I feel I have um, done a whole – not only my professional career, but really my public service career to to be at this place where they I want them to know that I will bring the experts I don't know at all and I that I do know I don't know at all but I'm surrounded by amazing people we have great assets in in the city not only in city corporation but the city in Salt Lake City that I know are committed and I know how to uh, be the leader that can bring them together and build consensus together so hopefully that will motivate people to vote for me
0: well I Best of luck to you, and thank, thank, you. thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much. Right. A lot of fun. You.
2: Welcome back to Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson. I am flying solo. No Jason Lee's watching an NBA game somewhere. <laughs> I am here with Salt Lake City Councilwoman Erin uh, Mendenhall. Um, she is running for Salt Lake City Mayor. And um, just, just uh, was it yesterday? They announced the NBA All Star Game is going to come here in 2023. Everybody's hoping we get the Olympics in 2030. Um, I'm not sure. It might be 20, 2034. There's some options. Uh-huh. Um, what what do, there are these things that we want here but they tax city resources what do they bring do they bring more visitors do they bring more residents what what do you do
3: Yeah we can we can look back on both of those experiences I believe it was uh 93 when we had the All-Star game before it'll be what 30 years when exactly. when it comes back and the Olympics of course we 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 did gain a lot ultimately here in Salt Lake City, and that makes us really competitive for this potential future games. But we need to make sure that we get everything we possibly can that helps us survive, uh, thrive, and get more, especially housing is one of the big opportunities that can come with an Olympics. I'm committed to making sure that any housing that's created for Olympic Games turns into affordable housing uh, after the games are over. And that, that is a conversation. It's important that we start now so that as we progress down the path of hopefully seeing those games come to fruition, we have been clear all along that Salt Lake City has goals. We have needs. We're in a housing crisis today. And transportation is another one of those. Growth is really a catalytic ingredient if we have a leader who knows how to get her hands into the dough of it and help shape it before the bread is baked. If we wait, that bread is baked and we're not necessarily going to get the most out of it. One of the other things not to get into a qualified opportunity zones, it's a huge opportunity here in Salt Lake City. The clock is ticking. We have less than two years to get a huge amount of investment. But if if Salt Lake City isn't integrally involved and invested with those private investors, we might not get the kind of investment that we need. And Salt Lake City's values of being a diverse, welcoming place, uh, really the flagship of the state, our Grand Boulevards are one of those opportunities. Fifth South, sixth South, they have been in a stalemate Mm -hmm. and blighted for too long. There are opportunities of growth in front of us, whether it's the Qualified Opportunity Zones, the Olympics that are hopefully coming, the 2023 All-Star Game. We need a mayor who can get more out of this for us and help us transform Salt Lake City to an even more accessible, uh, thriving economy, a tech ecosystem is part of the way that we can get there.
2: Yeah. I think that idea of living somewhere, working somewhere. My daughter just moved to Portland and she lives there. She works there. You know, you don't need a car.
3: You recreate, yeah. you play. Yeah. There's a trail
2: yeah. five minutes from her house for her and her dog to hike on. Um, I think those things are... I'm so jealous of those now, you know, yeah, um, because we just grew up with a different mindset. Live as far away as you can and and commute to work, yeah, twenty or thirty minutes is no big deal now it's terrible
3: yeah you know? i I don't ever want to work outside of Salt Lake City living <laughs> yeah. here that uh there's a really cool book called Walkable Cities, mm. and it talks about probably your daughter's generation and my mother and father's generation uniquely both wanting to come back to cities and and abandon the car as much as possible. But of course, living here in Salt Lake City, you and I were talking off the air about how the proximity to the desert, the mountains, all of our national parks is, you know, we all have cars and I think we'll continue to in Salt Lake City. But the connectivity of how do you get to the grocery store or get to work or what are you going to do after work? Um, that's escalating. So I've been proud to help build some of that connectivity in Salt Lake City. We have the Folsom Trail that's coming on on the west side. I helped build the McClellan Trail that connects uh, parts of Sugar House to 9th and 9th. We have huge opportunities with our alleyways that is untapped. And I'm not talking about big investment. It's really about cultural infusion that other cities have done where you allow art to happen. You fund Mm -hmm. uh, solar-powered motion lights that people can install in the backs of their garages if they want. Uh, You do design contests. And you allow, you provide cleanup once or twice a year for neighbors to undertake an adoption. There's a lot of opportunities for us.
2: You know, it's interesting that you brought that up. I actually was, uh, you know, my daughter, is she fosters for a local cat rescue and um, I was picking up some supplies from someone and I had to go in these little alleyways in Salt Lake City that I didn't actually even know existed but there were some businesses on the corner and I thought what a cool place for a young woman to live this young woman has a little house there because um, you can there's a coffee shop there's all these businesses there was a place that was shared workspace and I thought what an amazing um place to live by because you think, Mm -hmm. I don't want to live too close to businesses, but you also don't want to live too far from civilization, right? Especially as a woman, a young, single, professional woman. I thought that was really, I loved that and I thought I didn't know that about that little neighborhood.
3: And as you go closer to the downtown core, we have uniquely huge city blocks Mm Yes. You know that. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot of interior potential. Salt Lake City has prioritized creating mid blocks yeah. that create those walkable and cultural environments. We can do so much more.
2: And I will say, um, I often take some time and run over on Jordan Parkway and do a little yeah. day run or whatever. And I i don't know that people are aware of how lucky we are because you really feel like you're in the woods. And it's just a little bit of a an emotional break from the... Chaos of yeah, sitting in traffic. The, the mental
3: health, the social uh, community health that's mm-hmm. enhanced by open space connectivity, access mm-hmm. to trails. It's really difficult to measure, but there's a lot of research that shows us it's so worth it.
2: Um, just, do you have a mentor or a mantra that you live by?
3: Uh, poetry helps me unwind at the end of the day, and I have a couple of favorite poets that I, David White. He's he's contemporary. Mm-hmm. And Mary Oliver. Okay. Yeah. I recently passed. But that's that's a way I unwind at the end of the day.
2: All right. And um uh do you what else do you do? I think you said you were a, a hiker or a runner, right?
3: Yeah, I have a <laughs> I have a nineteen ninety three Volkswagen pop top camper van. Mm-hmm. So I like to get out there into the Uintas, uh down into the Grand Staircase Escalant. Yeah. And I love uh, letting my kids wander around me and sitting on a rock and sketching. Um, I love to cook too. Uh, Hiking is a big thing for our family, riding bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy when I get to put all the leaves in my dining room table, bring every chair that we can fit around it and have our family and friends over for a four or five hour hangout and meal and dessert and light candles. That's my happy place.
2: Awesome. Uh, And why should voters trust you with their vote?
3: I've been working Salt Lake City government with you, with our community, for six years. And we've had 12 years of former state legislators. I don't see that this Republican-led supermajority legislature treats us any differently I have worked as a Salt Lake city leader not as a super minority politically um, on the hill and I've worked whether it's on the Inland Port when our mayor walked away on pretty much every environmental initiative the city has undertaken for six years I've led uh, on equity issues in the city on connectivity on building transit and transportation fixing our streets getting our neighborhoods more safe by increasing patrol officers And still balancing how do we do policing that is safer for the whole community, not just for the people who want more police. These are hard issues. These are capital city issues. This is my bread and butter. This is what I have been coming to work to do for six years. I love Salt Lake City. um, And I think my community organizing background and nonprofit work, the air quality lens through which I see everything, uh, is really important for our next mayor to have all of those tools in her, her her toolkit. It's fun to say that, yes, knowing it, it will be a her. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I work on the north end of the third floor in the council office, and I would like people to elect me to walk down the hall and work on the south end of the third floor. It's not a far deal because that's the toolbox I've been working in all along. I'm passionate about Salt Lake City. We have some huge opportunities if we know how to get in, it, in there and take them.
2: Join us next time for the Voices of Reason podcast. If you have comments about our show, please email us at voramed at gmail.com or at jasonlee l at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at adonsports or jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google, Apple, the KSL app, anywhere you find great content. Be sure to review our show as that helps us grow our audience, and we always love to get your feedback. Until next time, I'm Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to try to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.